Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Matthew chapter 13. It's a good looking group we have here today. Good to see you. Amen. It's always good to be in God's house. And I hope that you don't take these opportunities for granted. Now you don't have to even go halfway around the world. You just got to go halfway across our country where these privileges are being taken away. And, um, you know, we've even had people come here to this area from other locations of the United States because of what we get to enjoy and get to be a part of, um, that where they're at, restrictions are being placed and um, it's, it's, it's hitting home very closely and very quickly. And um, as the day draws near, opposition arises. But I want to remind you that the church is built for times such as these. Keep your finger in Matthew 13, but go to to Acts chapter 6. I just want to show you something real quick that the Lord just laid on my heart that I think we need to see. Acts chapter 6. Y'all ready to get in the Word today? Amen. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, I'm reading out of the New King James. It says this, Now in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. In those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint. Isn't it interesting that the increase of disciples also brought an increase of complaining? The increase of the kingdom and the advancing of the kingdom of God also created a disturbance, also created issues. And we have to realize in life that you'll never face anything. Man, this ties in perfectly. I, I should have had this in my notes. Uh we, we never get what we want without stuff that we don't, if that makes sense. Everything you have in life that you want or that you enjoy has something connected to it that you don't want, that maybe you didn't ask for, maybe you didn't even anticipate. Um, we all have blessings. We all have things in our lives that we enjoy and that uh, we've asked for, believed for, stood for. But along with that comes challenges, issues, struggles, trials. And if we don't learn how to navigate what we don't want, we'll lose what we do. If we don't learn how to properly navigate the challenges that come with the blessings, then you'll lose the blessing altogether. You'll lose what you were meant to have. You will, you will lose what you prayed for. How many of you know of things that you prayed for in one season that you complained about in the next? Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. You were praying for children and then you were complaining. Yeah. Yeah, we're, they are all, we all have things in our lives that we believe for. The, the disciples are growing. The numbers are increasing. The kingdom is advancing. And even in the midst of that, we still have what? Complaining and grumbling. Look, you don't have to be in a wilderness to find something to complain about. You can be in the promised land and still find something to complain about. You just complain about something different. 
You think if you had that promotion or that new job, everything would be fine. No, it's going to have challenges. The expectations are going to rise. The hours are going to increase. The, 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 the investment you have to make all of a sudden goes to another level. You think you'd be better off married than you were single, but there's challenges being married. You think you'd be better off single than you are married, but there's challenges being single. Hello? Everybody wants what someone else has. The tall people wish they were short, and the short people wish they were tall. The poor wish, wish they were rich, and the rich wish that they didn't have access to, or had to be accountable and held responsible for as much as they're held responsible for. Come on, there, you can always look across the aisle. You can always look across the street and say, I wish I had theirs, but they're looking back at you with the same thing in mind. Man, they have it so simple. That's a stay-at-home mom, man. She's got it so easy. I'm having to go to work and work these hours, and I don't have any, hardly, hardly any time with my kids. The stay-at-home, the stay-at-home mom is looking at the working mom saying, I wish I had purpose. I wish I had something that I was fulfilling my life. You know, I'm just here at home with these kids, and I'm just sick and tired of them, and all I do is talk baby talk all day long. I want to be around some adults. We can always point fingers at somebody else, but they're looking right back at you wishing they had what you have. If we don't learn to navigate both sides of blessing, then we'll lose all of it. We'll lose all of it. Disciples are increasing, but so are complaints. But I want to remind you that the church is built for times of opposition. If you want to win a battle, you have to fight a battle. If you want to win a battle, you have to fight a battle. There are no victories to those that remain on the sidelines. There are no victories to those that don't enter into the fight. You'll never enjoy the spoils if you don't first endure the fight. I'll say that again. You'll never enjoy the spoils if you don't endure the fight. So over to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus puts it this way in verse 44, reading out of the the new living here. He puts it this way, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, everyone say treasure, that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovers hidden in a field. And in his excitement, in his excitement for what? For the treasure. It's easy to reduce that he is excited about the treasure he has just found. He's excited about the value and the worth of this hidden treasure that nobody else even knew was in this field. How many people went past this field? How many people overlooked this field? Oh, that's just a field. That's just an empty field full of dirt. That's just, that, that's just regular familiar stuff. That's just stuff that everybody ignores and everybody overlooks. But hidden within it was a treasure. And his excitement over the treasure, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. It's such an interesting parable and such an interesting way to explain the kingdom of God and to explain how when we see treasure or we see something of value, treasure denotes something of value. Treasure denotes something of worth, something that has a, uh, uh, an association with worth and with value to it. We all have things in our lives that we would treasure. We all have things in our lives that we would find value in, that we have worth in, that we would say this is worth it, this is valuable. And when anytime we see treasure, Many times that becomes the object that we go after. We all want the treasure. I just listed the fact that there are 
things uh, that we enjoy. But along with the treasure, along with the blessing, along with the thing of great worth and value is usually connected something that has less value, little value, maybe no value. The stuff that we would rather ignore or look over or look past to get to the stuff of value. But he says the kingdom of God is like a treasure that was hidden in a field. The man discovers the treasure, but notice that he doesn't go and sell all that he has to buy the treasure. He sells all that he has to what? Buy the field. You know, I believe we're living in a culture today that is the very opposite of this verse. The very opposite of what this passage and what Jesus is trying to show us. We do as much as we can and work as hard as we can to invest as little as possible to get to the blessing, to get to the valuable. Notice this, that the dirt doesn't decrease the value of the treasure. In fact, I would actually argue that the dirt adds value to the treasure. I would argue that the dirt and the fact that the treasure is hidden in the dirt and in the field, again, the dirt is an object of what we would rather do without. We would rather uh, do without the dirt. The dirt is the mundane. The dirt is the, well, it's just what it is. It's dirty. Marriages have dirt. It's not all treasure. Can I get an amen from all my married people? Can you show the single people it's not all you think it's going to be? There's some dirt involved, right? You didn't know they leave the, the cap off the toothpaste. Right? You, you didn't know the little quirks and the issues and all the little stuff that comes along. Yeah, children have dirt. Yeah, he's laughing at me right now. Yeah, children have dirt. They're a blessing, but they can be a dirty blessing. And a crying blessing, and a stinky blessing, and a whiny blessing, and a hungry blessing. But they're a blessing. doesn't change the value. Notice the dirt doesn't change the value. It doesn't decrease the value. See, a lot of times we think that it's more valuable the less dirt that it has. But the dirt reveals how much it's worth to you. Did you know that not everybody is willing to dig up the dirt that you're willing to dig up to get to the blessing that you have. See, the dirt reveals my value for it because I don't really know how badly I want it until I reveal how much I'm willing to pay to get it. The man doesn't go and sell all that he has to buy the treasure. He goes and he sells all that he has to buy the field. The field is the dirt, including the treasure. We're talking about vision. We've taken this month to talk about vision, talk about purpose, talk about why it's important to have a vision for your life. What is God's purpose? What is God's intent? We saw why the church exists. We saw how the church is to operate. We saw the fact that we have to make an exchange. There is a giving. There is a giving and a losing. There is a cost and a price to pay to accomplish the vision. And we saw last week that many times it's not the vision that causes us, that, that we reject. It's that we resist the plan of how to acquire and accomplish the vision. Every, you, every one of you in this room has a vision, whether you have found it or not, whether you've discovered it or not, whether you've spent time to invest in it or not, 
every person in this room, there's a vision for your life. Maybe you're going through something hopeless that has caused the vision to become extremely blurry. Maybe at this point, you've lost hope. You've gone through trials and challenges that make it look like the vision will never come to pass. And we saw last week, even though it tarry, wait for it. Be patient in the process because the vision will come at an appointed time. God never fails to bring his vision to pass. We fail to stick to the plan. God never fails. But if it's his vision, then it has to be accomplished by his plan. Many times where we grow the most tired is when we get the closest. Many times where we become the most weary and sometimes even the most hopeless is right when you're on the cusp of achieving or accomplishing what God has for you. It gets harder the closer you get. The opposition works stronger the closer we get. I believe the enemy right now knows how close his time is. I believe everything we're seeing is evidenced by the fact that the enemy, he's not waiting around. He's not playing games. He's doing exactly what the word says he would do. Steal kill, and destroy. I remind you that Jesus said, but I came to bring life and life more abundantly. God is bringing life to hopelessness. He's bringing light to darkness. He's bringing life to dead things. And even if it died, he'll bring it back to life. I don't care how hopeless, I don't care how despair, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by how I feel. I'm not moved by what's presented to me. There's nothing that's happening in our nation right now that moves me. It just stirs me up to work even harder to advance the kingdom of God. And it's easy to feel that way we're in, when we're in this setting, surrounded by believers and surrounded in a, in a church environment and if you're looking for a church that's gonna tell you to just hold on and hold out and wait for Jesus to come and it's all gonna be glory one day, then you're in the wrong church because we're not holding out for anything. We're not holding on for anything. We're pushing back darkness. We're tearing down the gates of hell. We're coming against the enemy and we're gonna stand our ground and we're gonna occupy until he comes. He's not gonna find a lazy church here. He's not gonna find a complacent church here. Not gonna find a resting church here. No, we're gonna get busy about the Father's business. There's work to do. There's loss to find. There's sickness to be healed. There's darkness to be eradicated. Darkness cannot stand. It does not stand a chance in light. So, we have to understand that these situations, the blessings, can many times be laced and even surrounded by burdens. The treasure is found in a field of dirt, in a field of sticks and stones, and the hard ground that has to be toiled, and the, the hard ground that's got to be broken up, and the, 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 the hard ground that's surrounding the treasure that is keeping it, suffocating it. But I want to remind you that dirt is also where stuff grows. The dirt is where life is formed where you don't see it, in obscurity. I, I want to remind you today that God is a master of finding treasure in a field. Abraham was treasure in a field of sickness, in a field of a womb of Sarah that had gone dead, 
in a field of hopelessness that we are past the age of ever having children and God finds a treasure, finds a father of many nations in the middle of a field that could not produce a child. God found a treasure in Moses in the midst of a field that couldn't even talk right. Couldn't even talk good. Right? That's the improper way to say that statement. Murderer. Scared to go back to the people he just ran from. A person, a man with an identity crisis. Am I Egyptian or am I Hebrew? I don't even know. I was a, I'm a Hebrew raised as an Egyptian. Who am I? Who am I? God found a treasure in the middle of that field. God found a treasure named David in the middle of a field of obscurity, of taking care of sheep, shepherding sheep. God is a master at finding treasure hidden in a field. You are a treasure hidden in a field. You are a treasure. But many times we would rather identify with our field than our value, than our worth. And we think that the field has covered us up so much that we've lost our value. We think that Nobody would ever want my treasure because they don't want my field. They don't want my mess. They don't want my brokenness. They don't want my issues. They don't. Treasure in a field speaks to potential. It takes a special kind of person to see potential instead of a problem. It takes a special kind of person Usually, typically, only the master, only the creator, only the manufacturer sees the potential. You know what I have discovered in my life is the ones with the greatest investment see the greatest potential. To get potential out, demands investment. What is an investment? An investment is placing a value and paying a price before something has yet proven its worth. That's why it's called an investment. When you buy a product on the shelf that is marked up higher than what it's worth, that's not an investment. That's not an investment. But when you are willing to pay a price that is higher than what it's worth before it starts, before it's proven anything, now you're investing. When 10 people say, don't do it, one person says, I'll invest. I know what it can be. Typically, that's only the manufacturer. Usually, the only believer in a vision is the one with the vision. To, to be an investor, you have to look stupid a lot of the time. You have to look like someone that is not very smart. Why would I put that much investment in something that has proven so little worth and value? That's why the treasure in the field is so vital. And we see what this individual is willing to invest He's willing to invest not just in the treasure. He's willing to buy the whole field. What's that mean? He's willing to put in the work. He's willing to put in the investment. He's willing to pay a price for all of it. I think there's a lot of times in our lives that we allow people to get to our treasure that haven't proven that they want the field. And that's dangerous. When you give up too much too soon. 
when you allow too much access to people that aren't willing to pay a certain price. That's why knowing your worth and knowing your value is so important. Because it'll keep you from giving away what should be bought. It'll keep you from giving away what should be paid for. It'll keep you from letting go of things to people that don't really have an interest in your worth and in your value. How much is your vision worth to you? Are you willing to pay the price for the vision as long as you don't have to buy the dirt that comes with it? I tell you, you'll be greatly disappointed. You'll be greatly disappointed only chasing after treasure. Only living a life that only invests when something has real value, tangible value revealed to you. But God is showing us a template. He's showing us a principle here that you don't get something valuable until you're willing to make the exchange, until you're willing to pay the price. In Matthew chapter 16, in Matthew chapter 16, remember we were looking there where Jesus was talking about the purpose of the church, talking about the reason why the church exists, talking about the reason why his, why he's building his church. I will build my church, he says. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He doesn't say that the gates of hell won't come against it. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He goes on later to say, after he's done rebuking Peter, calls him Satan and says, get behind me. After he's done with that conversation, in verse 24, in the uh, New King James, Matthew 16, verse 24, in the New King James, he says this. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, that means to follow me, let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit or what gain is it to a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what will a man gain or give in exchange for his soul. Vision is always marked by exchange. Vision is always marked by exchange. Show me someone that has accomplished vision for their life. Show me someone that has accomplished something great in their life, and I will show you someone that has paid a great price. I will show you someone that has made an exchange. I will show you someone that has given up something, laid something down, denied something, made a sacrifice somewhere. You do not acquire the vision of God without paying a price. And that price, that cost, I can tell you right now how far you're willing to go is identified and indicated by how much you're willing to let go. I'll say that again. How far you're willing to go is indicated by how much you're willing to let go. Don't tell me you want to see the vision of God play out in your life, but you don't want to make any sacrifices. Don't tell me that you want to acquire this, but you don't want to let go of this. Every person that has followed God to any degree has had to deny something, lay down something, let go of something. There is no accomplishing what God has for you without some level of sacrifice. I see a world today that tries to avoid sacrifice at all costs. We work harder to avoid the sacrifice than we would if we would have just put the work in to accomplish the vision in the first place. We circumvent and we look for the easy route and we look for the straightest, the, 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 the greatest shortcut we can find. 
In God's plan, in God's purpose, there are no shortcuts. In God's plan, in God's purpose, you won't find an easy road. You'll find a narrow road. You'll find that difficult is the way. Easy is the road that leads to death, but difficult is the way that leads to life. And we live in a culture today that doesn't want to pay the price of difficulty doesn't want to endure the challenges of of burdens that might ensure the blessing. We want the easy road. And he's identifying, you don't accomplish the vision. Remember, Matthew 16 was marked by him identifying, I will build my church. He's talking about the church, and he says, you won't accomplish the purpose of the church. You won't accomplish the purpose of the kingdom of God unless you're willing to make a sacrifice, unless there is some cost involved, unless there is some price paid, unless there is an exchange that is made. What you invest reveals what you expect. When you look at an investor and you see what they have invested, what they have put in, you are also getting a glimpse of what they expect to return. I'm reminded of the master that gave to three servants uh, amounts of talents. He gave to one servant five talents, gave to another two talents, and another one talent. Just by the fact that he gave them those talents tells us he expected a return. In fact, when he comes back after a long while, after a long journey, what does he come back looking for? A return on his investment. The one with five brought back ten. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Now I'll make you ruler over many things. The one with two brought back four. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few. Now I'll make you ruler over many. The one with one buried his one, brought back one, didn't lose it, but he didn't gain anything. He didn't make an exchange. He didn't invest it. If we're not investing what God has given us, we are misusing what God has given us. When he returns and you stand before him and you give an account, if all you do is return back what he put in your hand, he will call you a wicked and lazy servant. Sounds harsh. Well, at least I didn't lose it, Jesus. At least I still have it in my possession. At least I, 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 didn't, I didn't throw it away. I didn't waste it. I didn't spend it on my own possessions. I, I didn't spend it on myself. I mean, look, I have the one. I'm telling you right now, playing it safe in the kingdom of God doesn't work. Playing it safe in the kingdom of God won't get us anywhere. He's looking for risk takers. He's looking for those that will deny themselves. He's looking for those that will pay the price. He's looking for those that will go the extra step. He's looking for those that will make the investment that will bring a return for his kingdom. If we're playing it safe with what he has placed in our hands, afraid to take the risk and afraid to pay the price and afraid to make the exchange for fear of losing it. We just started baseball just this past week with my son's baseball team, coaching their team. Got conned back into that again. I had a couple seasons off and now I'm back to head coaching again. And we have an issue. It's our first year of kid pitch. They're nine years old, nine and 10 year olds. We have an issue. They can't hit. But the the challenge isn't that they can't hit. It's they won't hit. Our last two games, we've had at least 10 strikeouts, at least, looking. Now, if you're not familiar with baseball, let me just fill you in on something. It's, It's not known to everybody. But it's one of the most crucial elements of baseball. To hit the ball, you have to swing the bat. You are guaranteed 100% of the time to strike out if you don't swing the bat. Every single time, you will miss the ball 
You will never hit the ball if you don't swing the bat. If you didn't know that, I'm just filling you in. I mean, I, I know that's, that's, that is quite the information right there. Y'all are thinking, we came all the way for that. If we don't swing, we won't hit. Right? I said, if you're going to strike out, strike out swinging. Strike out. I mean, I gathered them up after our second game, and I just let them know. You will never hit the ball with the bat on your shoulder. It's impossible. I don't know if you're hoping to get walked. I think some of these kids would rather get hit by the ball than to hit the ball. I don't know why, but we're going to fix it. Because I ain't losing watching. I tell them, I say, if you want to watch pitches, you can go on the other side of the fence. There's a whole grandstand of spectators out there. But if you're going to stand in that box, you're going to swing the bat. You'll never hit it. We'll never make achievement in the kingdom of God if we're not willing to pay the price. Now, the price that we pay reveals the expectation. When you invest, parents, when you invest in your children, there's an an expectation that you have in return. There's an expectation that you have in return. If I'm making this investment, I remember my parents when I was in high school, they would remind me all the time how much my braces cost. And I used to think, man, it can't cost that much. I mean, big deal, big whoop. Metal in my mouth, rubber bands all over the place. I'm the one going through the pain. Well, I just bought Camden his first set. Now I'm feeling the pain. I don't care how painful they are on him. I remember once losing a retainer. Oh, that was bad. I don't know, third grade, fourth grade, somewhere in there. Take it out for lunch at school. Don't put it back in. Boy, we were at the school first thing. I mean, we were there before the principal was there the next morning looking for the thing. She comes out, or she, she arrives, and she goes, oh, I think someone put it on my desk. Sure enough, found my retainer. That was the most joy that we all had. Yeah. Why? Because when you make the investment, you expect a return. Unfortunately, my wisdom teeth came in when I was 21 and began to crowd everything back up. And now I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to make the investment myself. I'm going to have to do it on my own dime this time to get it fixed. Because when you invest something, you have an expectation in return. It's illogical to make an investment in your marriage, in your home, in your kids, in your finances, in your job, in a promotion, and then not have an expectation in return. So this individual is making an investment. He's not just willing to buy the treasure, what's worth, what has value, what is attractive, what everybody wants, he's willing to buy the whole field, the parts that are unattractive, the parts nobody wants, the parts everybody else is trying to get rid of. And again, the field doesn't reduce the value of the treasure. The treasure that is buried in the field has its worth, has its value. I want to remind someone of that today, that the dirt that is surrounding you does not uh, uh, take away or reduce the value of your life. The world wants to tell you that it does. The world wants to tell you that your current state reduces your value. You're no good. You're not worth it. But I'm talking to a group of people. If you are alive and have breath in your lungs, I'm talking to people that Jesus has already 
paid the price for. He didn't wait for you to start producing. He didn't wait for you to get it all together. He didn't wait for you to do it just right. He didn't wait for you to start going to church and reading the Bible and acting like a Christian. He laid his life down. He paid the price before you ever produced anything worth your potential. 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter six. Verse 20. First Corinthians six, verse 20. "For you were bought at a price. You were bought at a price, and you were bought before you ever showed up in this world, with no guarantee. Boy, we love guarantees, don't we? We love our guarantees. Can you guarantee that it'll do this? Can you guarantee that I'll make this much? Can you guarantee? We love those guarantees. But Jesus, with no guarantee, laid his life down with no guarantee that you would return it back to him. Yeah, I think that's one of the craziest elements of, of tithe and offering. That when I, when I see people that struggle with giving tithe and giving offering, when they struggle giving financially to a church, to the kingdom of God, we say around here, you're not giving to the church, you're giving through the church. This is the avenue by which you are giving ultimately to the kingdom of God. But I find it interesting that we have a hard time letting go of finances when it's not ours in the first place. When he gave it to us, put it in our care to steward and to watch over. The finance that you have in your life, let me make this absolutely clear, is not yours. It does not belong to you. And even in that, the king only asks for 10%. He says, you get to keep the other 90. I mean, by worldly standards, those statistics don't work. By worldly standards, not even the world operates at that level. What are we understanding? We're recognizing that you were bought at a price with no guarantee that you would respond in like manner. He has already set up these standards. He's already put these things in place. He gives you 100% with no guarantee that you'll return the 10 that he's asking for. With no guarantee that you'll respond to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit says, bless this person, do this for this person, acknowledge this person, I want you to assist this person, I want, to, I want you to go above and beyond here. When the Holy Spirit asks for what is His, we should never have a problem responding. We should never have a, re a problem responding to what, okay, it's in my care. It doesn't belong to me. I'm just stewarding over it. Your life is not your own. You were bought at a price. That's what this verse is saying. It doesn't belong to you. But yet we dictate where we go, what we eat, what we do, who we hang out with, what we accomplish and what we don't accomplish. That is no way to live in response to the one that has made the investment. That is no way to show the one, the investor, the king, the manufacturer who knows what you're worth. I'm going to tell you right now, when we don't live up to our full potential, it's a slap in God's face. People would like to call it humility. Oh, I just want to be humble, Pastor Mark. I, I, I could never do something like No, no, no. You are slapping God in the face because he gave you that gift. He gave you that ability. And instead of using it for his glory, you would rather hide out of fear of what's going to happen. Insecurity is one of the greatest obstacles the enemy brings into our lives. He wants you to be insecure about every element of your life. He wants you insecure about the money you make, insecure about the influence you have, insecure about your ability to speak to people. One of the number one reasons why people don't share their faith with other people 
is because they're insecure in talking. Just that element alone. That is a lie of the enemy. That's an absolute lie that we can't boldly approach people, not confront them, but have a conversation, get to know them, talking to people. And of course, in a society and in a culture where we devalue communication as much as we do, we have the the greatest extent of communication this world has ever seen, but yet we are the worst communicators this world has ever seen. Awful. I see so much passive aggressiveness on the gram, on the book, real world. I'm serious. People that I see in, 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 in the real world that are just soft, quiet, shy people, but on the internet, man, they're the most vocal, they're the loudest, they have the longest to learn here to read a book. Goodness. And if you had anything worth to say, I might read it, but you probably don't anyways. And that's why you're sharing it here. And you're not sharing your fan challenge recently on why I've been with real people having a real conversation. I've been challenged recently on why I've been silent about certain things. Well, you don't know me. The conversations I'm having are with real people, not with a ton. A hidden little, anybody can put anything out here that they want. Why don't you ask the people in my life who I've been talking to? Real conversations, moving things forward, not just unloading my garbage and venting my stuff out of my brain without even thinking through my thumbs, just the ploy of the ice. That's a ridiculous way to live. But it's just the ploy of the enemy to get you. It's just the way the enemy would work, just the way he would want us to think that we're accomplishing more on that platform, conversations. I don't know how we got on that. I, goodness. You were bought with a price. So what does he say? Therefore, therefore glorify God's body and in your spirit, which are God's. What's he saying? There was an investment. There's an expectation. The investment was made. You were bought at a price. You were bought with a price before you, me. I'll lay my life down if you in prison. Jesus didn't wait. Well, let's see if they do it. Let's see if they accept me. I'll lay my life down if you in return guarantee that you'll lay your life down for me, that you'll take up your cross, that you'll deny yourself, that you'll put aside all your worldly, fleshly lusts, and that you'll come follow hard after me and lay all that. Majority. You'll do that for me, then I'll do this for you. He didn't. He laid his life down, and the majority won't accept him as Lord. The majority won't accept him as their miss the value he placed on their life. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. God didn't buy you because of what you were. He bought you because of what you were yet to be. He didn't buy you because of what you had already produced. He bought you because of what you were yet to produce for his glory, for his kingdom. Potential. The treasure is buried in the field. But if you only knew the potential this treasure had, if you only knew the potential this field had, it, you know, Certain, it takes certain people to see certain things. We have fields all throughout this community. We have cotton fields. We have fields that hold green beans and fields that hold, I don't know, give me another one. Corn, peanuts, that's another big one, yep. We've got... Pecan trees, that's how we say them where I come from. Pecan. You know what a pecan is? Pecan. Just say it slow, you'll get it. We have all kinds of fields. 
But it takes a special kind of person to see what it can produce. I remember growing up, I I came from the city. I've lived in San Antonio, Texas, Dallas, Texas, two of the top 10 largest cities in the United States of America. I've lived in Washington, D.C. That's somewhere on there, I'm sure. And when I drove past fields, I remember as a young kid, my first, the first word I thought was what a waste. I'm serious. There could be houses there. There could be businesses there. But I can promise you the farmers that own those fields don't see it as a waste. They see it as an investment. Do we see our field as a waste or an investment? Well, part of it is what you allow to take place in your field. Part of it is what you allow your field to be used for. That's why he says, therefore, glorify God in your body. Why? I bought the field for a price. Now use it for my glory. Use the field for what it's designed for. Invest in the field. Take care of the field. Because guess what? If you compromise the field, you compromise the treasure. You do not get the treasure without the dirt. It will not happen. If you're hoping to get married one day and you think you're going to get all the treasure and no dirt, you will be sadly mistaken. If you think you're going to have kids one day and you're just going to have this awesome parenting experience, There's going to be some dirt. That's why I said we got to learn how to navigate the dirt, navigate the burden, navigate the challenges, because within it are the blessings. Within it is the treasure. We cannot ignore the dirt. So here's the thing. We're talking about vision. Talking about God's plan. God's vision is the treasure. What's your treasure? Some of you might need to get reminded of what your treasure is. I would encourage you, if I could give you a homework assignment, you don't have to turn it in, I promise. Please don't turn it in. I won't read it. Just let you know, long post alert, right? (laughs) You need to find out what your treasure is. You might have forgotten. Your treasure might be a gift or ability that you gave up on. Might be a skill that you've let go. Might be your family that you've abandoned, neglected in striving for something else. What's the treasure? What was the thing that got you in in the first place? It was the treasure that caused the man to buy the field. That's okay. It's usually not the treasure that we quit on. It's the dirt. It's the work. It's the process. Somewhere along the lines, you thought you were buying treasure and you began to engage dirt. You began to engage a field. You began to engage a mess. You began to engage the stuff that you had to dig past and you had to break up and you had to push aside. It's time to start seeing the value in the field. It's time to start seeing the value in the field. It's time to start finding the value in the process. But I'm gonna tell you right now, if you don't even know what your treasure is, if you don't even know what you're digging for, if you don't even know what you're trying to get past, so for some of you, your treasure has gotten even more buried than when you started. You have heaped more dirt. More dirt has been heaped on top of your treasure. You've got more work ahead of you, but you better remember why you got started. 
Why did you get married? Why did you have that family? Why did you take that job? Why did you move to that place? Why did you take this on? Why did you go do that? Why did you add this in your life? Because if you forget why, if you forget the treasure, you will disregard and ignore and cast aside the value for the field. Worship team, if you come. We want to be treasure finders. Set out on a discovery of treasure. You might even need to find the treasure again in someone else. You might need to find the treasure again in something else. It would be real easy for those disciples in Acts chapter 6 to say, whoa, increasing of the kingdom. You know what they were complaining about? People being waited on, given food. You know what they were complaining about in Acts chapter 6? You know why the complaints arose? It's because after Jesus was crucified... Hundred and twenty decided to gather by the command of Jesus Himself in an upper room and wait and tarry for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came and fell upon them. Tongues of fire, a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. They began to speak with other tongues. The blessing. The treasure. Jesus called him the promise. And with that spirit empowerment, Peter rises up boldly and preaches, and 3,000 people are added to the church in one day. Blessing. Treasure. Acts chapter 4. These newly spirit-empowered disciples, Peter and John, empowered by the Holy Spirit, pray for a lame man at the gate of the temple that they're walking in and he's healed blessing treasure promise right all the stuff we want but because of that people that hated Jesus began to see other people calling themselves followers of Jesus calling themselves his disciples doing the same works that he did get in an uproar and they arrest Peter and John, threaten them within their life, and say, do not ever preach in the name of Jesus. Field, dirt, the treasure is in the dirt. And this went on. And so the Romans decided to take further action. They said, okay. Disciples are increasing. We got a problem. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start killing every single one of you the same way we killed that man, Jesus. So now you got husbands murdered. Sons murdered. Brothers murdered. And in Acts chapter 6, the disciples were growing, but what was happening was where we're ending up with a lot of widows. We're gaining disciples, treasure, but we're also increasing in widows, field. If we don't navigate the field, we'll lose it all. This is serious business. It is time to stop devaluing the treasure that is within you. But you will not show value for the treasure until you start taking care of the dirt. Until you start accepting the dirt, regarding the dirt. He's placed something great inside of you. You are a gift. You are a treasure. You have something to give away. But you've become 
muddied by the dirt around you. You've become muddied by the the field around you. All you see is the, the dirt and the rocks and the sticks and what an annoyance and what a hindrance and why can't I just get to the, the real stuff, the real stuff of purpose, the real stuff of value. Why, why can't I just want to get a hold of the treasure and God is saying keep pressing through the dirt. Keep valuing the dirt. Keep taking care of the dirt. Do with the dirt what I've asked you to do. Invest. Pay the price. Deny yourself. Make the sacrifice. And one day, you'll see the treasure come out. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your treasure. We thank you for what you have placed inside of us. We thank you, the price that you paid over every life here. Father, forgive us for not placing the proper value on the field. You bought all of it. You want all of it. You don't just want the parts of us that bring you glory. You want all of it. You want to redeem all of it. You want to restore all of it. You want to heal all of it. I just feel God just speaking to hearts right now, right where you're at. Just take a moment. Let God speak to you. He's reminding you of your treasure. He's reminding you of what he placed inside of you. He's reminding you of the gifts that you have allowed to lie dormant. He's reminding you of the skills that you've neglected. He's reminded you of the things that you once invested in that now you're not investing in any longer. He's reminding you to remind yourself of the value. Remind yourself of the treasure. Remind yourself of what he put in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.